Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to part two of a special edition of the Cricket Collective. I'm John Norman and as you now know, TalkSport have the audio rights to England's upcoming tour in South Africa. We'll be bringing you three T20s and three ODIs live and exclusive on TalkSport 2 and the action gets underway on Friday. So to mark that, myself, uh, Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison and the Breakfast Show's Sam Ellard are looking back at the last time England were in South Africa because we were there, and in particular, looking back at the four-match test series. If you missed part one, well, go back and listen to it. It was released on Saturday, and you can listen back on the following on feed. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Acast and Spotify. But without further ado, we pick up heading into the third test of the series at Port Elizabeth. The series is all square at one apiece, and you're listening to The Cricket Collective. Every game's huge, um, but it's really pleasing coming away from Cape Town, um, levelling it up. feel like we played unbelievably well as a, as a group um, with a young group of players. And that the challenge always for a young team is when you perform well, can you back it up? Can you not make sure you don't rest, let, rest on your laurels and um, you know, you're ready to, to try and get better and, and take a, a forward step, not a sideways one. So... Um, that's, that's, the, that's the message for the group this week, if you like, is use that as a stepping stone, uh, take every bit of confidence from it and the way we approached it, uh, and make sure, at very worst, we match our efforts and our attitudes and how we approached uh, each and every session of that game. I think the quality of the cricket that people have seen over the last two test matches has been brilliant for the fans. It's been two very, very good test matches, but not a lot in it. Um, England were the better side in the previous test, but we fought extremely hard to make sure... Um, that we don't give away a win easily, and we've done that. And I think this test will be no different. 
You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2 as we look back at 2019-20 four-test tour on Talk Sport 2 between South Africa and England. I'm John Norman, Sam Ellard and Stephen Harmison alongside me. Uh, we get to Port Elizabeth, guys, and there's some change in the personnel. Unfortunately, um, despite getting his mate Freddie Flinter, <laughs> Flinter to tweet the teacher, I can't believe Steve Harmison's being sent home. Uh, we had to say goodbye and Steve Harmison was replaced by Matt Pryor. Guy Swindles was replaced by Andrew mm. McKenna. There wasn't much in the papers about Andrew McKenna <laughs> being reunited with Kevin Peterson. <laughs> but there was plenty about Matt Pryor. Yeah. You were on the field, Sam Ella, when were, I was, they came mm. face-to-face. Yeah, we thought we'd up the quality of our, of our commentary team for the third <laughs> and fourth test match. The big man went home to talk about Ashington. And yeah, I remember it. I remember even during the first and second test matches before Matt came out, a few people would come up to me and ask a couple of questions, get some feelers out there about what it's going to be like. It was like being on an episode of EastEnders. And then it was day one of, of the third test match at Port Elizabeth. Um, and I remember it so clearly. They got closer and closer and closer. And then I think Matt went over to KP and shook his hands. And to be fair, it was all a bit boring, wasn't it? In the yeah, end? it was never going to be a problem, they, they, was it? I mean, there was no fun. They, they ended up getting on pretty well, didn't they, really? <laughs> they did. But I just remember as soon as they spoke to each other, buzz, 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 buzz. And I got my phone out and literally about five or six different people, journalists up in the press box, had all texted me and all wanted to know what was being said, what was going on. All day, everyone kept what up, was what being was said. going on. What was being said? Basically, you were there, basically. you were the man on the ground. How are you, mate? Are you okay? <laughs> everyone all right? And that was literally it. But no, they look, I think they um, they obviously decided to to put any 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 past problems beside them. There was I, never going to be a problem. I think no, you weren't saying that, Yeah, you Harvey. weren't you saying, saying that, They're going to be scraps, there's going to be yeah. everything. You say, oh, I tell you what, John, oh, I was actually worried. I was actually worried very first up the way Kev, the way Kev was. But then the closer I got to it, I thought, yeah, that you guys, you all talk at all. Yeah. Yeah, but it oh, comes sorry, to Matt. It. Sorry, sorry, KP. I think what was said, and I think Matt was very. I think he dealt with it really yeah. well. He said, "Look, mate, we um, we shared a lot of good times on the field." So yeah, let's share another one now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what you've got to remember as well, and I said this, I said this to you as well at the time. The, these two were very, very close. No, these, you didn't say no, that. No, 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 These two were, these, these two were, were very yeah. close. These two were as close as what me and Goffey were ever been. You know, they were nearly as close as you and Sam. Harmon. Yeah, very, very. Well, <laughs> we'd we never fall out, Harmony. Would no, we? we be, our belly's got on the way. Not anymore, mate. I tell you what, you should see me, Harmony. Have you have you lost the way, the way I've found? <laughs> <laughs> but joking aside, these these two lads, these two lads in the academy, I remember going to like to Loughborough when you know England would meet up and the the academy were there because obviously Kevin and um, Matt came in to the England team a little bit later than than what I did, and these two were close along with Jonathan Trot. They had a they had a history together when it would come to coming over from South Africa so they had they had sort of close links and close ties with each other I was concerned I really was generally concerned that you got the two of them on and they wouldn't speak but I think what comes down to it as well is a little bit of professionalism and the two of them were exactly that as players they were very very professional in the jobs that they did so when you got on when they got on air, they'd be fine. It's when they got off air where there would be tension and an atmosphere. And a fair play to Matty if he went over first and said, right, look, let's not fall out about what's happened before. It's gone. 
that was during our professional time. We're doing something completely different now, and and fair play to Matt Pryor for doing that, as well as Kevin for doing it, because I thought both of them, two fantastic comment, two fantastic players, but two fantastic commentators as well. But there was a concern that you did get them together, that a little bit of stubbornness, you might not have got the real Matt Pryor and the real Kevin Peterson. Uh, Matt is uh, with the cricket. England uh, buoyed after coming back one all and uh, winning the toss, deciding to bat at Port, Port Elizabeth, where the commentary box is so close to the ground that Neil Manthorpe um, made note of the fact that very often when the bowler's run up is as long as uh, maybe Goffey's used to be, or at least he tells you what it used to be, the bowler at the end of his run up could uh, can hear the commentator and can uh, get his order in. Ahead of uh, <laughs> of lunch, uh, but it's uh, it's another beautiful ground. It's another one f- steeped in history and tradition. Uh, very very different. I love this about South African cricket grounds. They are all very very different from each other. Mm. Um, they are bespoke cricket grounds as well. None of this multi-purpose stuff. England winning the toss, deciding to bat, and they made a much better. Uh, fist of things. There was a little wobble, 148 for four when Joe Root was out. Again, not uh, not kicking on. But whereas Ben Stokes had hogged the limelight over the preceding 12 months, he had to share it. Uh, 120 to Stokes and Ollie Pope announcing uh, his arrival, really, with an unbeaten 135. And you can't find many people who don't um, note the similarities in style not just in terms of the aesthetics with Ian Bell and Joe Root's uh, uh, to Ollie Pope's game, but also the manner in which he's taken to Test cricket, Harmy. Absolutely, he was he was fantastic. He batted beautifully. His tempo for me is brilliant. The way he the way he assesses the situation, the way he bats, the way he holds his nerve. I think he's got a very very good level head on them them young shoulders, um, and I think he's perfect for batting with somebody like Ben Stokes. And you're, Go back. Remember going back to my time playing with somehow Andrew Flintoff. He, he, Ollie Pope's you know ten times the batsman that that Garrett Jones was. But whenever Garrett Jones went anywhere near Andrew Flintoff, they seemed to work together in unison. They, they ran well between the wickets. They knew the tempo just got lifted. And I think Ollie Pope just lifted the tempo with 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 Ben Stokes as well. And I think the bat to have him in between Butler and Stokes I think is a real you know, a real good thing for England and during this test match you know this this test innings I think it put the end it, it nullified the, the the bowling unit of of South Africa we were at the end of Cape Town and seeing Vernon Philander walking around the pitch that should have been the end of him because I think this looking back at it on hindsight that should have been his last test match because he put a lot of pressure on that uh, South African bowling unit because he could only bowl 16 overs in that game and that was to the detriment of their team because Nokia ended up bowling 25 Rabada ended up bowling 28 we've never seen Rabada again after that 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 inning so I think the the the, the pitch at Port Elizabeth was always going to be a belt it was always going to be a flat pitch and that's what we meant about Cape Town in South Africa having to hang on because of how good this pitch was going to be you win the toss you bat first and you bat big and England certainly did bat big yes a little bit of a wobble at the top but yeah, the the middle order looked you know, really, relatively strong and we got runs down the bottom of the order as well Sam Curran with 44 and Mark Wood who was a great addition to the side got 42 uh, Michael Atherton joined us in the commentary box. He had this to say about Ollie Pope. I think there are some young players that immediately make an impression on you. I can remember watching Joe Root for the first time at Nagpur, I think. must have been a game that Matt played in. 
And the moment he came out and batted for England, I, I just thought he's going to play under tests. And I'm, uh, you know, that's I think most people would think that. That's not saying that I'm particularly, you know, far-sighted or anything. But I feel the same way with Ollie Pope. That there's just a hint of class about him. I love the fact that he is a, a technically stylish player who's got an offside game. One or two England batsmen are quite limited in the way that they play, which is not. Um, an undue criticism of them. They're kind of playing within their limit limitations to try and be successful. But what you see with Ollie Pope is a guy who's got an all-round game. He looks decent against spin and pace. He looks as though he'll be able to succeed in all conditions. And really, that is the challenge that Test matches offer to a cricketer. It will throw up all kinds of challenges, different bowlers, different conditions, and you have to be able to adapt to them all. And I just get the sense with him that he's going to be able to do that. And England have found a player that's going to be there for you know a decade or, or so. And uh, and it went on for England, of course, because there was another young player made mention of Dominic Bess, that crucial wicket of Dean Elgar at Cape Town. Uh, he weighed in with his first fifer in Test cricket. Just on Don Best, he becomes the third overseas spinner to ever take a five-wicket haul at this ground. The other two are Nathan Lyon and Richie Benno. He's gone from strength to strength, as, as we've seen with lots of the young spin, long youngsters on this trip. Extremely, almost teared up, um, just just for the effect of the amount of hard work he's put in since he's been here alone. You know, he's been through a lot since uh, the middle of last season, where he got uh, sent on loan to Yorkshire, and he's had to go fight for his place there. So Dominic Best taking his uh, first five for in Test cricket, and uh, and it was a notable notable five, wasn't it, uh, Harmy? These weren't tail enders. No, they weren't tail enders. This was a top order. He got five of the first six, and when you get as a spinner mentioned, I think three. It was either the third spinner in Port Elizabeth to get overseas spinner to get a five for that. He's in some company there, and you know Jeetan, Jeetan Patel, who we heard from there, mentioned he had to go to Yorkshire. Yes, he had to go to Yorkshire. But he, but he went to Yorkshire because Jack Leach was a Somerset spinner. This, this is the thing that people keep knocking Dominic Best for. He couldn't get a game for his county. Well, he couldn't get a game for his county because England's probably number one spinner was actually playing county cricket at the time. So that's why he's gone. And and when I, the reason why I mention that is it shows how much character this kid has got because he was nowhere near the England team until the South African trip. He's all been jettisoned in because everybody's been ill. He's got his head down. People question him. And then all of a sudden, he's got Elgar, Milan, Hamza. Nokia was got out by Ben Stokes. Then he's got Faf Duplessis, who would have batted four. And he's got Rassi van der Dussen, who would have batted five. So he's got all of the top five out in the third test match on a decent pitch for him to bowl on. And all of a sudden, the confidence that gives a young man going forward feels as though he belongs was absolutely brilliant I thought he bowled he bowled fantastically well throughout this whole series but he did he did well he did his job when England needed him was when the ball started turning he got five wickets so fair play to him and from there on in really a procession the troubles that had been surrounding South African cricket in the build-up to this test match this is why Cape Town winning that test was so crucial for England uh, it, it let open the dam gates um, they'd lost heavily or painfully rather, in Cape Town, and they lost heavily in Port Elizabeth. And 
defeat by an innings and it meant England went 2-1 up with one to play. They couldn't lose a series and having won against South Africa last time out, we all know what that means. They've won the series essentially or attained the trophy and there was worse to come for South Africa. Samuel, I may mention Kigiso Rabada earlier on in the show. Kigiso Rabada would not play in that fourth test match. You'll find out why very shortly here on The Cricket Collective. Square leg in front of square. On the fence, oh, he's knocked him over. What a delivery. Joe Root is uh, trapped on the crease. The ball nips back between bat and pad. It may just have stayed a little bit low, but the death rattle has been sounded, and it's Kagisa Rabada who is the man who's played the tune. I don't think he did anything wrong. The only thing... Uh, that he's been done for because they picked up his screen on the stump mark. Absolutely idiotic. A man who's been uh, in trouble for doing a similar thing before has done it once more. It's poor from Rabada, isn't it? Just for so many reasons. Isn't it? it's, it's unnecessary. You just use the word idiotic. Can't disagree with that. Will South Africa desperately need Rabada next week? Well, guess what? Mark Boucher can't have him. And that's no fault of anyone else other than Cajiso Rabada. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. We have uh, for you live and exclusive coverage of the upcoming limited over series between South Africa and England. End of November, start of December. And to celebrate that, myself, John Norman, uh, former England bowler Steve Harmison and uh, Sam Ellard, infamous really for anyone who's ever met him star of the breakfast show um joining us to look back at a two-month tour which uh, really did take in some highs and lows and one of the lows and disappointments did surround Kagiso Rabada because we all want to see the best players on the field all right if it's an ashes and Steve Smith is going to be banned because he's done something wrong I don't care I just want to see England win but when on tour Sam um, there's a lot of people that pay a lot of money to go out and watch cricket. We love cricket. We want to see the best against the best. And we were robbed of seeing Kagiso Rabada. It was, it was, the series was poised going into that last test match on what we thought was going to be a quick, bouncy wicket. You want to see the best versus the best. Um, and it was an absolute shame that South Africa didn't have their best player available. Um, I know Harmi's played the game. He might have a difference of opinion to me. I thought what he did in that first test match absolutely nothing wrong. We want to see passion for players, don't we? We didn't get in Joe Root's face. All right, he might have got a little bit close to him, but he picked up a big wicket, England's best batsman, and he celebrated. Yes, he's green, but seriously, do we want to live in a world, a test cricket, where players can't celebrate the, the big wickets? Isn't sport about passion, emotion? And that's what he showed. And it felt to me, and I'm an England fan, it was just a real downer going into that last test match, knowing South Africa's best player wasn't available. Um, yes and no. I think I'm going to say an offence. I think what he did was we've got to remember as well. He had he's had previous, he's had history, so you know it was a culmination of that history, which got him made him, made him not being able to play in that fourth Test match. So because of that history, he knew he was one step away from where we're away from being being banned from a, a what was going to be a, a huge test match for South Africa and they need him. But I mentioned earlier about Vernon Philander and that was the reason why 16 overs Vernon Philander bowled out of 152. Rabada had to bowl 28 overs and I think a lot of a lot of stuff came down a born of frustration of him having to keep bowling, having to keep bowling, having to keep bowling and all of a sudden I think it boiled over. I think a lot of it boiled over in 
some of his decision making and some of his actions and he got banned and whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing yes you want to see the best players do it but it's a message that we're sending you know to to young players or to to young people who are playing the game what you don't celebrate wickets Harmy? You, you can't go in somebody else's spears you can't that's that's different do you think Joe Root had do you think Joe Root walked off the pitch that that afternoon and had a problem with it Harmy? I don't think Joe Root had a problem with it no I don't think Joe Root had a problem with it. I think I don't think Joe Root would even have thought too too much about it. But the wider world is everybody's watching. We've got to remember we the reason we talked about this summer. You know, I'll take you away from the, that act for for a second. The reason why we talked about how good English cricket was this summer was because the whole world was watching. We were the one of the only sports playing live during the pandemic. The world was watching, and I actually think the world was watching what Kagisa Rabada did to Joe Root. And I think the the natural eye knew that was something wrong. There was something not quite right there. So f- rewind that. He's had previous, he's had you know, reprimand, he's had points onto his, onto his um, license, whatever you want to put it. And I think it's a culmination of what's happened before to Kagisa Rabada. And it might have just been a little minor thing, but the world was watching. He stepped over the line one too many times. And unfortunately, one more strike and you're out. And that's what he got. And there was another story surrounding a fast bowler. Another fast bowler was to miss the fourth test match, uh, much like he'd missed the third test match, Jofra Archer. Um, it was a really emotional moment in the warm-up when essentially we found out later on. Uh, and there had been some suggestion by some of the press leaked out of the dressing room that essentially Jofra Archer had been complaining of an elbow issue which had not been identified uh, through x-ray and some people could read that as he's making it up and I think that was allowed that assumption I think was allowed it was pushed out there actually it ended up the guy got a serious injury Mm. and in the warm-up for a test match that we were all hoping he was going to play the player himself wanted to play Joffrey Archer come came very close to tears he may have actually been in tears on the field when he basically felt his injury cut flare up again. He was ruled out, Joffre Archer, from the fourth test match. Kevin Peterson um, was very, very strong on the treatment of Joffre Archer by the England cricket team and the media that follows. I just see a superstar in the environment being treated in a very similar way to, to, to the way uh, all my nonsense started. And what, what, I basically, think- what I basically said is I said, they should pull him into a room. And if he isn't behaving in the way that they want him to behave, they should say to him, Joffre, what do you want to do? Do you want to play test cricket? He might say, hmm, don't know. I don't think I do. Maybe he says yes. If he says yes, back him fully and commit with him fully. Don't talk about the nonsense of his elbow. Don't talk about him being late to team meetings. Don't talk about all the garbage that is, is in and around that. Don't let it filter up here into the press box. It shouldn't be here. Ask him if he wants it. And you know what? If he doesn't want to play test cricket and he just wants to play T20s and one-day cricket, so be it. Let him just do it. It's his life. He's responsible to make the decisions that he wants to make. Get the best out of Joffre Archer. Well, I'm not sure we've uh, yet to see the best out of Joffre Archer in uh, white shirt cricket. But... um, uh, England did have a suitable replacement, Mark Wood, and we'll talk about him very shortly. Uh, South Africa brought in a guy that looked a bit like Goffey, um, but the comparisons are, unfortunately, uh, for uh, 
Dwayne Patterson. Um, didn't continue. He, he, he bowled well. He got a couple of wickets. He was a bit unfortunate. But it was England who once again won the toss. And once again, they scored big in first innings. 400 all out. Putting the pressure back on South Africa. And this is the template for cricket, isn't it? For successful cricket. You win the toss, you bat, you hit 400, and uh, and the game's yours to win, Harmy. Well, you control the game. If you've got 400 on the board, you control the game. This is what us commentators and us pundits have talked about for so, so many years now, and England have really struggled in the past sort of five years, probably since the, the, the end of Strauss-Cook partnership, is that... We haven't been able to get 400, and whenever you whenever you don't get 400, there's always a chance of you you have you know given a given a lead away first innings because of you know teams. That's the benchmark. If you get 400, you control the game. You can use your fast bowlers, you know short spells. You, you don't have to go chasing wickets. You can play with the field. You can make the game you know a, a little bit of cat and mouse with the opposition. But if you don't get 400, then all of a sudden you have to use your fast bowlers. For a little bit longer, you have to maybe put a slip in for more and try and sort of give a little few runs away to try and you know buy your wicket. The game is completely different. When you got runs on the board, you know you're in control of the game as a captain. And if you've got a fast bowler who's at the top of his game, like they did in that fourth Test match, like Mark Wood, then all of a sudden it's a lot easier for the other bowlers to fit in around that and fit their spells in around that and be able to grow into the game rather than just feel as though every time they go out there they have to go out and take wickets. Let's hear what Ben Stokes had to say about posting 400 in the first innings. That's the blueprint that we've been on about for uh, some time. Is you know when we win the toss and bat first, 400 is is the catalyst of what we want to be doing because you know you get 400 in the first inning of a Test match, it just looks like a, a mountain to climb for the team batting second, and um, we've managed to do that in the last Test, and we've controlled pretty well the last two Test matches because we've been able to do that. So, um, and it's great that two young lads are the the reason that we've had those starts. Um, Zach Crawley and, and Dob Sibley have been absolutely brilliant in these last two Test matches. Uh, but there were. An unlikely duo that enabled England to reach 400 mm. because at one stage, uh, England were 316 for nine. Uh, and it was Mark Wood and Stuart Broad. He waits for Patterson. Swings hard. Hey. Swings straight. <laughs> Beautiful shot from Stuart Broad. Hendricks to Mark Wood who swings it to the left side. He's got good contact on this. He's got great contact on this. Hendricks in. Wood carves it over extra cover. It's just hitting practice. This is range practice. All of which uh, proved too much to South Africa, really. They would have uh, held out some hope when England were losing wickets regularly throughout their innings. But that last partnership took it away from them. And uh, there was a sense of inevitability about that fourth test match. We're going to continue covering that fourth test match and also look back at some more of the more humorous moments uh, of what turned out to be a wonderful couple of months in South Africa. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Joe Root is trying himself this time for Pretorius. That one is going, 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 gone! All the way home run from Joe Root. Hendricks is into uh, Joe Root, who's just going to guide this into the gully and take a single to get him up to the other end. And it's another 50 for Joe Root. He's 48 in test matches. So England in that fourth test match at the Wanderers, which, by the way, is my favourite South African cricket ground. What a stadium that is. You've got the wooden bleachers almost on one side. They've got the main stand, which is as far away from the action as <laughs> going. If you've ever been in the away end at St. James's Park, it's a little bit like being yeah. up there. Um, and what an atmosphere, guys, because it was still public holiday around then. The students had just arrived back in Joburg, and it was like a, a student day, essentially. There were thousands of students coming in, a right old sound. Um, it was a quite brilliant it, it and was, wonderful test It was match. a bit different to the second one, which we spoke about earlier, because I think a lot of England fans had gone home by then. They just did one and two and weren't there for three and four. But as you mentioned, there was a lot more local fans in, whereas Newlands felt like it was a home match. There wasn't many local people in but they had the bands in they uh, there's the the famous walk for the players down the um well it's the boring isn't it the boring the um enclosed mm. tunnel it's mm. like a tunnel yeah a, a big pla- tunnel a going down. Yeah. plastic tunnel when, uh, which you have to walk down uh, which back ben in the Stokes day got in trouble didn't he it, where he that, did get in match. trouble but normally when the, and the one day is especially when you go down that tunnel the bang on the on the the noise it makes as you're going down the tunnel all, all 11 players and start banging on the top of it. It's it's quite intimidating. Now, it is an intimidating place to go and play. Well, they shower you, Harmy, when um, you're walking down well, I'll tell boring. you what, I'll tell you a, a little story from the 2005 series when I, I wasn't bowling very well during that time. And the whole um, wooden seats over the far side. And there was a great big chorus, about 15,000 of them singing. If you, if, you know, if you go to a football match, they'll sing referees at, well, they were singing Harmison's at, and, and I looked around and there's my mum and dad sitting at the bottom of the thing. They had just landed. Mum and dad had just landed during the first, that, that test match, first day. Leading the chance. And 
they were leading the chat exactly and and i remember telling my mum where the where the hospitality was where the the england the rest of the families were and i said to her after the game what were you doing sitting in there she says well we want to go for a walk around she says but did you hear what they were singing about me and she says i've been to a lot lot of your dad's football matches and they said worse about him so it was it is a unique atmosphere it's a great atmosphere but i tell you what it is it's a fantastic place to bowl fast if you mm. get the ball in the right area. And during my time, Hoggard got 12 for in that test match to win the test match. And I thought Mark Wood, during this test match, all he had to do was land it straight and he would be in business. And boy, he did. Absolutely. Five for 46 from Mark Wood in that first South African innings. And uh, really, South Africa's race was done by this point, wasn't it? 400 from England. Uh, bowled out for 183. Only... Uh, Pretorius with 37 and Quinton de Kock with 76. The only two batsmen um, outside the openers to get into double figures. And uh, when England batted again, as you heard Andrew McKenna describing, uh, Joe Root with 50-odd, uh, 40-odd uh, for, uh, for Dominic Sibley. Bowled out, though, for 248. Pfeiffer for uh, Hendricks. And uh, really, South Africa, the target way out of reach. 466. Um, and uh, it was uh, Wood again uh, with f another four wickets um, as England closed out victory. But uh, made to fight, 98 from Van der Dussen. You didn't know his name at the start of the tour. You did by the end, Tommy. Yeah, I did, yeah. He batted beautifully during that. And he got moved up the order. He got he got shunted from five to four, and then he, he's ended up at, at number three. Um, and it's just amazing we talk about momentum. Ben Stokes going out in Cape Town and getting that, that 70 and a, and a crack coming out in the second innings, uh, in the fourth innings of the game and winning the game for him. You know, Mark Wood, both times, both times. The first innings, he got 35. You know, the, 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 the second innings, he only got 18. He got 18 off 12 balls. England were going for it, but it gives him that little bit of injection of energy to go out there. Once you've gotten some runs with the bat, you can, you know, you feel as though you've got, you know, you feel 10 foot tall when you go out with a ball. And he did that. And Mark bowled beautifully throughout that test match, um, as, as England did. And I think the one thing England did well, I think there more than anywhere else, and it's a, t a difficult place to, to go and catch, they caught well. They caught well in this sort of, you know, the slip in the keeper area. They did catch well. So, you know, fair play to England. They had a difficult start, but uh, they, they, they finished the, the South African series strong um, and they looked like what they were, you know, a very, very well-oiled machine, which were, were ready to take on the world. So a win in the fourth test match by 191 runs. Mark Wood uh, named man of the match. Let's hear how it panned out on TalkSport 2. It's a knock-in in front of the other leg side. Everyone's going up for it. The umpire has not given it, though. Now, the way England have gone up that, they are obliged to review it, yeah, and they're going to review it. John Wilson taps his shoulders, raises his finger, and England have won the series 3-1. They win by 191 runs. Nokia and Patterson embrace on the pitch. But it's the England players' celebrations that are dominating at the moment. They're hugging and high-fiving each other. They have completed the victory in this game. They have completed victory in the series. A series that they went 1-0 down at Centurion, but they've come back to win at Cape Town, then Port Elizabeth, and then Johannesburg.
England take this 3-1. And that's how it played out on TalkSport 2. I'm pleased to say that we will be doing all over again. Uh, not in Test cricket, limited overs stuff. But Harmy and Sam alongside me. The final knockings of the show. But just give us uh, maybe your favourite me- moment uh, of the tour. I'll start with you, Sam. Oh, favourite moment. I've got to go for day five, the, the evening session in Newlands. The atmosphere, everything about it was just unbelievable. That was my favourite moment. But um, the one thing that always stands out for me with these tours, I think, John, the access we get to the England players is just absolutely fantastic. It can be day before a test match and Joe Root can be having a net and I'll be allowed to stand directly behind Joe Root and watch him net. The players don't say anything. Day one of a test match, players, coach, have a look at the pitches. I can stand right next to Chris Silverwood and Joe Root as they talk tactics and you stand right there. And they're the moments that really, for me, as a 24-year-old cricket fan, that I cherish forever. What about you, Harmy? Yeah, I think day five is, is a is a special day in, in Cape Town. But if, if Sam's going to choose that, I'm going to choose Christmas Day. I, I can't get away from... <laughs> of course, booze has to be involved, I can't get it? away from Christmas Day. <laughs> the, the, the cricket was brilliant, but having already had 24 hours with Sir Darren Goff during <laughs> Christmas lunch was absolutely special. It got off to a fantastic start. And listening to what happened at the end there, yeah, you, know, you guys had a a ball for six weeks. I had it for a th- two and a half week period, and I loved every minute of it. But the first day was, I think, the best day I had on that trip. My lowest moment was you going home, Harmy. Of course, <laughs> it's not what he said after you left, Harmy. Yeah. Like, Thank God he's gone. Matty P, <laughs> high five and Matty P all the way. <laughs> Big hugs all round. <laughs> Um, I but, thought, but, uh, but as well, though, I thought the commentary was, some of the commentary was brilliant. I thought Kevin Peterson, we talked about it before and how Kevin and Matt would have gone, but I thought the addition of Kevin to the, the commentary box, I thought, give us a great insight to what Kevin was as a person. Everybody asked me, what was Kevin like as a player and a person? And I actually think TalkSport got every bit of it. I think they got every bit of it. I thought he was brilliant when he talked about the game. His knowledge of the game is fantastic. And he's, the way he describes the game is absolutely brilliant. So I thought it was a, it was a real tick in the box to get somebody of his calibre, but also to get him to perform the way he did. I thought Kev was brilliant on commentary. Your favourite moment, John? Uh, I'm going to have to say Cape Town as well. because um, oh God, We're original here, aren't we? But not day five. I'm going to say day six. Ah, and uh, after five long days at Newlands, we were back at the ground. Harmy was heading off that day. We were dusting off the whites. We had our Barmy Army shirts on. Chris Silverwood came and had a yeah. came and played, yeah. and uh, we were taking on the Talksport team, a motley crew, ragbag uh, group of individuals coming together for one final defeat. <laughs> we went out onto the field of play at Newlands on the ground that we just yeah. watched that test match. We played on exactly the same strip. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, the highlight, apart from... It's just pinch, pinch yourself moment when you're walking out there with bat in hand and you look up at Table Mountain or Cable Mountain. <laughs> um, look, it would be remiss of me to mention or, or forget to mention the uh, the gloriously smoked cover drive which was lofted up over mid-off for four to get me off the mark. And then, as I swivelled and pulled the uh, the left armour over what essentially was swivelled a leg slip for another boundary. That that on a normal day, to hit fours on that ground would be my favourite moment, but it wasn't. It was watching Sam Ellard walk out to bat and get dismissed 
for a duck oh, against an eight-year-old bowler. Do you know what the thing was? They made a big deal of it. Everyone said every, everyone's going to get a run. No one's going to get a duck. And they gave me so many opportunities to get a run. And this seven-year-old kid, Chris Silverwood's son, he was... Oh, seriously, guys. He, he was he, man of the match. He was for the future. No, he was a special He was man of the match. And he, he got uh, the, uh, the Sky's Did he get Rob. Gaff? Yes. Uh, he got another person there. He got three wickets and... Gareth Batty didn't get any runs either, so, you know. No, Bats didn't either, but he wasn't dismissed by... Was he a seven-year-old? No, I can't remember. Maybe not seven. <laughs> Maybe a bit older than seven. <laughs> Look, guys, absolutely wonderful memories. And uh, thanks for being part of the journey. I certainly was uh, enjoyed it along the way. There was some... Uh, there was some... There was a bit of... Uh, there was some, some temper tantrums along the way. But how can you not have a temper tantrum? We should do a West Indies look back. That's going to be more better stories, hasn't it? <laughs> you've got well, to have a temp- For the amount of arguments we had with each other, you've got to have a temper tantrum sometimes. Well, look, you two... <laughs> both uh, the first names on the team sheet every time um, we'll be back we'll do this all over again it's been uh, I don't know why we haven't done it before to be honest I hope the listeners have enjoyed our romp along South Africa four tests back in 2019-20 with myself John Norman Steve Harmison Sam Allard we're going to do it all over again with the six match limited over series between South Africa and England end of November and start of December you can hear it here exclusively live on Talk Sport 2. But for now, thanks for listening to The Cricket Collective. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.